Uh, but tonight, as we look at the 34th chapter of Psalms, um, I think that uh, it'll be uh, a good ending to, if you have been uh, abstaining from food or, or you've been uh, in prayer, that the Lord will use this uh, as spiritual food for you this evening. Uh, starting with verse 1, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 22. And David starts here, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And David's speaking of himself there. Uh, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. And those who seek the Lord shall not, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children. We talked about Sunday. We're still toddlers to the Lord, right? Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is this man, or is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these words that you have given to your servant David, who someday, Lord, will stand there with him in your presence. And these words will forever be, Lord, settled as they already are in heaven. Lord, we look forward to meeting you face to face, that you talk about looking upon this man and the radiance that shines, and we know that your light will touch our face. But even now, long before we see you face to face, Lord, we have your word in our hands. We pray that it would do its perfect work in us tonight, that it would build up, that it would strengthen, that it would encourage, Lord, that it would prepare us for the days ahead, and Lord, that you would indeed nourish and give peace and give joy all the things, Lord, that we see here that you desire your children to have, we pray, Lord, that we would just eat at your table, as it were, tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know the hopes and plans you have for 2018, but I believe that God wants us to fully expect and experience his goodness and grace. Would you agree with me on that? That God wants us to fully expect his goodness and his grace. I believe... He wants to break some chains in our lives. I believe he wants to open some doors in our life. I believe he wants to do a new work in our life. I believe he wants to turn situations that 
maybe you or someone else deems hopeless into happiness, into joy. I believe he wants and desires that we would taste for ourselves that the Lord is good. You know, someone else can tell you, oh, man, the Lord is good. But we need to taste that for ourselves, don't we? I can't live on your taste buds. More than ever before, he wants us to know he is good, to know that he's faithful. And nothing but his presence will ever satisfy us. Nothing. All the new stuff, anything you get, other people's joy, none of that will satisfy. It has to be something we taste and see. And we have here an outline for how we can take these steps that will be needed and necessary to taste the goodness of the Lord. And you, you can taste it, but you're going to have to come sit down at the table. I'm going to have to come and sit down at the table. We're going to have to go where the food is if we want to taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe when we do, he wants to strengthen our faith. I believe he wants to give us things that many times we're praying for, and God says, I want to give it to you more than you're praying for it. What God is offering to us as his children is far better than all the January deals right now. You've seen them, right? They're, all, they're hitting the airwaves, they're on the TV. It's better than the zero money down January car deals. Oh, it's way better than that. For only $48,000 and years of debt, you can have, but zero money down. The no money down health club deals right now. There are a lot of them going on around right now. Get rid of the fruitcake, no money down. The 10-year interest-free furniture deals. Those are really good, right? It's now, soon there's going to be a 50-year furniture deal. No interest or whatever it is. The post-Christmas deals, all of these things. But God's offer is for our spirit and our soul. His offer is for our spirit, the inner man, the inner woman. And the terms are simply faith and the application of that faith. That's the terms. Faith. And us saying, all right, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to follow what your word says. The world promises, but it never delivers pleasure. God promises peace and joy, and he does deliver. Some promises leave a really bad taste in your mouth, especially from the world. You've had people make promises, and they've not been kept. They leave a bad taste in your mouth. But God's promises will never leave a bad taste in our mouth. Amen? They're never going to leave a bad taste. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so we want to look at this this evening as, as the Lord would have us uh, to receive it. And I want to just, uh, there's, a, there's a number of themes here. We don't have time to go through all the themes that David outlines. Uh, you could break this down into a multi-chaptered book. But we're only going to look at three tonight. There are other themes in it, uh, but the three that we're going to look at the first is found in the first three verses. And if you're taking notes, I've titled the first one, Praise Him. We're going to look at three. Praise Him, Fear Him, and Trust Him. That's our very simple outline. If you're thinking about, how do I apply Psalm 34 to my life in the year 2018? The first is found right here in the first three verses, to praise Him. Look what David says here. I will bless the Lord when it's convenient. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be 
in my mouth. Well, what if the first three days have already started off on the wrong foot? And I know there's some that have. People already, I mean, half the church is sick. We've got people with colds. There's pipes bursting, all kinds of fun stuff going on, right? But he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in who? The Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. David said, hey, not only do I want to do it, I want you to come along and join in. Anyone that would hear. The opening truth and theme of this psalm is this. To bless and praise the Lord at all times, continually, every day, day in, day out. And not only that, to even use our mouth in doing so. As he says, my mouth here will continually praise. We're going to have to open our mouth. And that can, uh, that can be in song. That can be in prayer. Uh, what we start in our private prayer closet will come the outflow of our life when we're not alone with the Lord. We, we praise Him there. We're going to praise Him everywhere else. Uh, but whether it's in song or prayer or in a testimony, I, mean, I, I loved the Friday night dinner we had, the International Food Night, which we had just a great evening and dinner together. Hearing people's praises, if you didn't even get a bite to eat, you went home full. Just hearing what the Lord had done. Because so often we have prayer nights and those are important. But we also need to praise the Lord. And this is what David's saying. I, I, I've got to cultivate this practice of praising God. So we can know that every month of 2018... From January to December, and we're a long ways away from December, 362 days or so away now, uh, we have a simple but steadfast reminder. Bless and praise God tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sometimes it'll be easy. Sometimes it'll be hard. The irony is that when it should be easy, i.e. that everything is going really well. I just got a bonus. I got a raise. None of the kids are sick. Our marriage is doing better than ever. Everybody loves me right now. The, the irony is when, it's, when it should be easy, that's when we forget to praise God. And then when it's hard, we actually don't want to praise God. So when it's really good, we just forget. When it's really bad, we don't want to. Distraction and depression are both deceptions. Distraction and depression are both deceptions. I didn't say they're not real. They are real. Distractions are real. Depression is real. But Satan in our flesh can use them to mislead us by feelings and circumstances. Real is one thing, resisting them is another. We have to resist distractions, right? Paul said he was steadfast and immovable. It wasn't, one, wasn't like the people weren't trying to say, hey, stop doing that, come over here. And Paul said, no, this one thing, I do, this is what I'm focused on. He wouldn't be distracted, but he also had times where he could have been miserable. You, you get stuck in jail and you're chained to the floor, it can be pretty down day. What did he do? He starts singing at midnight, right? So whether it was the difficult times or the good times, he still maintained, no, I must praise the Lord. See, praise takes us through things. Everything else stops us dead in our tracks. Praise takes us through it. David made a commitment at the soul level. Look what it says. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. 
This is, this is deeper than just kind of just, you know, a lot of people make New Year's resolutions that they stop keeping after about three weeks. That's, anything that stops out after about three weeks was not made at the soul level. Would you agree with me on that? It was not, if you said, hey, I gave my life to Jesus, but I went back to the world about three weeks later and I've never been, church, I've never darkened the doors of a church then. The, the, your salvation was not at the soul level, right? That would be what we call uh, a, a prayer, but it didn't really, we confess with the mouth and we believe in our heart. It has to, the two have to match. But if they do match, then even though it's tough, you say, Lord, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to keep following after you. So that's, that's a decision at the soul level. Well, we can do that with praise, too. Not only do we do that with our saving faith for salvation, Lord, I believe on you, and I'm going to hang on for dear life, but also, so Lord, if you say I'm supposed to praise, I'm going to remind myself, and as we do, the Holy Spirit reminds us. And at this soul level, it's just that deep commitment where God knows that our heart means business. Say, Lord, I'm going to make it my practice to praise you whether, I make, whether it makes sense, whether I understand it. And then when we do that, God helps us to continue, right? He, he reminds us, hey, hey, remember, you said you were going to praise me every day. I found this just tonight. I was lacing up my shoes, and I remembered what I said to you guys. I'm putting the gospel on my feet. I have to be intentional about that thinking. I have to say, oh, yeah. I can't just tell other people to do that. I have to do that. That's the great thing about preaching and teaching. Those of you who have never taught, you should get into children's ministry because the more you teach other people truths, you actually have to start following them. You can't just kind of think about them. You have to, whoa, I feel like a hypocrite up here, uh, whiteboarding. Hey, kids, this is, what, this is called faith. I don't have it, but you guys should try it. No, but David, he knew what it was like to have difficult times. He knew what it was like to not feel like praising the Lord. But he said, continually, always, I've learned that even when it's rainy and I'm outside or I'm sleeping in a dark cave, I'm just going to start praising the Lord. And then your cave becomes the Hampton and Suites, so to speak. Because you, God doesn't necessarily change the place you're laying, but he changes you. He changes me. At the soul level, David said, my soul will make its boast in the Lord. David learned that there was nothing to praise about himself. He couldn't sit back and say, you know what? I did kill Goliath when everybody else was afraid of him. So I'm gonna, I can live off that bit of fame for a long time. It's amazing how any achievements in life go out the window pretty quickly, don't they? Only when we praise the Lord uh, do we actually feel the presence of God come in. He says, magnify the Lord with me. When we do this, when we praise, uh, we actually will have an impact on other people. Whenever you meet a person that really prays the Lord all the time, you're going to meet a person that has genuine joy. And when you meet a person that has genuine joy, they are not annoying to you. They are refreshing to you. People that are annoying to you probably are faking it. But people that are genuine and they really do have a joy, you can tell that they actually would be the ones to say, they're really there to encourage and help lift you up, not there to say, well, I'm happy and you're not. Look at me. Look at my spiritual giant prowess. But praising him, first thing we want to just uh, look at for the 
entire year, and not just in the year, but our lifetime, say, Lord, teach me to cultivate this life of praising you continually. The second thing that David, and again, there's other themes, but the ones that we'll look at here tonight, the second thing I've titled to fear him. He says here in uh, verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. He says in verse 9, O fear the Lord, you his saints. Also in the ninth verse there, there is no want of those who fear him. Verse 11, come you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It has been well said that we'll either fear God or we'll fear everything else. That's true. Four times here in this psalm, the, the fear of the Lord is mentioned. The imperative being that the fear of God, the awe of his glory, the reverence of his holiness, the obedience to his commands must be operational in our life. The fear of the Lord has to be operational. It can't be theoretical. It has to be operational in our life. And if it's operational, it becomes transformational because anyone that fears the Lord will be transformed by the Lord. The fear of the Lord... I think we all agree it's, it's what God is due, right? He's due our fear and reverence if nothing happened well on our behalf. He's still due the fear of the Lord. But it's also, thankfully, God, even though he is due it, he still wants to shower his children with the goodness that we're talking about. Tonight. Taste and see the Lord is good. He still is going to give back to us even if we didn't deserve anything, the blessings of the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? It's the beginning of clarity. you got a cloudy mind, start fear of the Lord, God will start to clarify things. It's the beginning of direction. It becomes a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We're like a ship without a rudder if we have no fear of the Lord. People who don't have a fear of the Lord are capable of anything. We see here in verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is directly tied to deliverance that comes only from the Lord. Look at verse 7 again. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Well, where's the angel of the Lord if you're not fearing the Lord? Well, not encamped around you. God will say, I'll come to your defense, when you start to fear me. Not, not a petrified, but a reverence of the Lord. To say, Lord, you're due the praise. I'm not going to praise God because um, this went wrong in my life. But you can't, by the way, you, people's attitudes of folding their arms like this never has any bad impact on God. We, realize, we all realize that, right? Never once if God say, man... What are we going to do now? They're mad at me. The God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit having a come. What will we do? They're mad at me because I didn't give them their way. But God's not going to move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not move, but he allows us to come into what? His throne of what? Vengeance? No, throne of grace. The mercy seat. So he's saying... This fear of me, this worship of me, this awe of me, it 
dovetails with praising him that we saw in the first couple of verses. The fear of the Lord, the obedience to the Lord. Well, that's certainly due the Lord. But at the same time, God's saying, if you come in under me, you submit, you bow the knee, then I'm going to come to your defense. The angel Lord encamps around. It's good to know that you know, we can't see the forces of God on our behalf. But if God were to pull back the curtain and show us, if you're, if you're really sincerely following the Lord, then you would be amazed. I would be amazed say, wow, he really has been protecting us day after day, year after year, month after month. But this deliverance is tied directly. The fear of him and delivers them. The fear of the Lord is connected to the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance is mentioned also four times. The fear of the Lord is mentioned four times in the 22nd chapter. The deliverance is also mentioned equal four times. Fear of the Lord, be delivered from the Lord. Now, other um, wording of the fear of the Lord is beyond the four, and other wording of deliverance is beyond the four, but the express mention of those two terms, deliverance and fear of the Lord, are mentioned four times. Psalm 54, 4 says, Behold, God is my helper. Is God your helper? Has he helped you over the years? It's good to stop sometimes and just start enumerating all the ways God has helped us. Our help is from the Lord. When the Lord, our help is from the Lord when the Lord truly is our Lord. That point needs to be understood. Our help is from the Lord when the Lord really is our Lord. Like when we say, not just Lord, you know, people will say, the Lord's Prayer or something like that, but they don't have a personal relationship. As Martin Luther said, we're not believing about God. We're, we're not believing about Jesus. We're believing in Jesus, in him. That means he is our Lord. When, when he's our Lord, when we're praising him as Lord, when we have the fear of the Lord, then the help comes from the Lord. To fear him is to surrender and obey him. And if we do... And as we do, then a wall of grace and protection will surround us in January, in February, in March, in April. We can't see the future. If we could, we'd run and hide. You never know what the news is going to bring in any given day. But he'll have a wall of spiritual protection that surrounds us. Now, the other fears... The fear of the Lord is distinctly different than other fears. The fear of the Lord brings health and peace. Do you think other fears bring health and peace? No, they actually break down our immune system. Literally, they break down our immune system. They destroy our overall health. They cause debt and frustration and relationships to shatter. Other fears are always destructive. The only fear that's actually beneficial in every way, shape, and form is the fear of the Lord. It's the only one that actually mends, heals, protects. All other types of fears are not a good place. But we all have them. Look what David says in the fourth verse. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all, I have that circled in my Bible, all my fears. Now the reality is, no matter how much you love the Lord, no matter how many years you serve the Lord, fears will still come in. They will. David didn't say that they were never 
able to penetrate, he said the Lord was able to move them back out. Isn't that good to know? He delivered me from all my fears. David had them. We'll have them. What happens is the fear of the Lord, he says, I sought the Lord. That's another um, synonym, if you will, for the fear of the Lord. Because the only people that seek the Lord are people that fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, then you seek the Lord. You'll draw near. And you will draw near how? Well, God gives grace to the humble and he resists the proud. Only when we fear the Lord do we come in a humble approach and say, Lord, I'm desperate for your help. And I'll do whatever you ask of me. And God says, I was hoping you'd say that. And then we're in that state of prayer. He says, I heard, the Lord heard me, because David is talking about this prayer language of speaking in relationship to God. We have a personal relationship. And then the Lord says, now, because your place is in the right place, you, you have the right surrendered heart. You're seeking me, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I see your fears, and I'm going to deliver you from them. They're not going to dominate you. They'll fade and dissipate from our life. Isn't that a good promise? That they'll fade and dissipate in our life. Now, it may not happen immediately. That might cause some people to bail. Well, that I, I've been praying about this for two days, and it hasn't stopped yet. It might take longer than that. I hate to tell you, it might take a lot longer than that. But they will fade. The Lord can be trusted. David had years on the run, by the way when Saul was after him. But he found that even during those times that the Lord would keep, they'd come in, he'd push them back out, angel Lord encamps about. They'd come in, push them back out. But over time, they would lessen, they'll encroach less and less. It's just like other, in other, just like sin and temptation. The things that you might have been tempted by when you first got saved, the longer you walk with the Lord, you can say, I'm not even tempted by that anymore. It starts to dissipate over time because faithfulness to the Lord, God will be faithful to us. And, of course, he's faithful to us even when we're not faithful. But these things will dissipate. But it starts by having this fear of the Lord. And we can be assured that whatever God did for David, guess what? He'll do it for us. Did you know he loves us just as much as David? He died on the cross for us just as much as David. So if God says, hey, I delivered David from fears, guess what? He'll deliver us. To deliver us from temptation. There is no such thing taking you, but such is common to man. But God will with it make a way of escape and you might be able to bear it. It doesn't matter who you are. And then lastly, we want to look at this last point that we can apply and follow in our life is to trust him. To trust him. To praise him. To fear him. And to trust him. Trust is mentioned just twice here in these 22 verses, but of course it's implied in a number of other ways. But by wording, it's mentioned twice. The first time is in the eighth verse. Turn your attention back to verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You know, a lot of people have never tasted the Lord is good. That's why they've never even come to faith. One of the the best thing God ever do, did was die for our sins. Amen? It's the, it's the most amazing, the greatest, most gracious, most loving thing. Uh, God is a good God. He's given eternal life to all. Jesus said, all who want to come, come. It's available to everybody. Now, 
if Bank of America down the street was giving a million dollars to anybody who wants to come to the bank tomorrow, it would be lined up down the road, wouldn't it? True? I mean, if this was true, if the bank said, you know what, we have too much money, we've made too much off your bank fees and check cards and everything else, we've decided the first 100 people to come tomorrow are getting a million because we, we're stuck with an extra 10 billion we don't know what to do with. Well, I'd quit here to get there tomorrow. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. But as a joke, I wouldn't quit. I'd be fired by God if I did that, so I couldn't do that. But you could quit your job and run to the bank if that was happening. You would be able to run down there and say, and God says, I'm giving you something that's worth far more than that. But people have never tasted to see that the Lord is good. So they think what God offers is of little value, but if Bank of America was giving away a million dollars, well, that's it. Well, finally, there's something valuable here. But that little salvation thing y'all talk about, not, so, not such a big deal. But if we've tasted salvation, we've come to realize, and that alone, that the Lord is good. But he goes on, he says, blessed is the man who trusts in him. The first time this word trust is mentioned. It's mentioned again in the final verse of the, 22nd uh, of the 34th chapter here, verse 22. The Lord redeems the soul of his earth. There's salvation, by the way. The Lord redeems the soul of his earth. The best thing God's ever done for us is the redemption of our soul. And none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Now, we talked about this Sunday, that the helmet of salvation is our last line of defense, the last line here. That our trust in the Lord always go back, goes back to the fact that he purchased our salvation. Our trust in him always goes back that he took care of our greatest need, which was death and sin. And if he can take care of death and sin, guess what? Everything else is easy. Now, it doesn't always seem that way because our daily circumstances sometimes seem bigger than our salvation, but they're not. That's a lie from Satan. Amen? God says, I've taken care of your biggest need. You can trust me with the in-between needs from salvation to the grave, which is really not the grave for us. It's just the entranceway to eternal life. But trust is mentioned twice here. And do you realize that we actually have to trust before we can taste something? And then after we taste it, if all goes well, our trust goes exponentially higher. Does that make sense? We have to trust before we taste it, but then when we do taste it, hey, that was pretty good. Give me some more of that. It then grows. If I hand you something to eat and you know nothing about it, hey, you've got to try this. Depends on how well you know me, right? Let's say it's from Italy. It's a food from Italy. It's a dish you've never had before, but I know you pretty well. This is hypothetical. I know you pretty well. I know the Italian foods you like. I know the flavors you like, because we've hung out enough. I've had dinner or lunch with you enough times. I know what you like. I tell you, it's cooked in olive oil. You love things cooked in olive oil. It has cheese. This almost makes it a no-brainer right there. It has cheese in it. At that point, lots of walls come down. It has cheese in it. All right, we can move forward. Chocolate in it. It moves. And then I say to you, Trust me, you're going to love this. Your taste buds are about to have a party. You take a fork. You lift it to your mouth. You're trusting that what I say is accurate. That you will indeed enjoy this bite. But you're not 100% sure until you actually taste it yourself, right? Right? You're fairly confident, but you're not 100% there until, 
hey, this does have cheese. I told you it did. Hey, I actually like this. But the taste test, or rather the trust test, that God puts in front of us often takes more faith in this Italian food scenario. Would you agree? The trust test God puts in front of us often takes more faith than what I just outlined. I'm no fan of sushi. I know some of you think it's manna from heaven. But to me, it's an abomination. But anyway. (laughs) So do not invite me to go have sushi with you. I'm telling you, I'm going to be rude and say, no, uh, I can't do that. I'm busy. I'm kidding. Now, I, 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 love, I love the people that have offered me sushi, and I've been offered it many times. Oh, you try, this one you're going to like, you know, that kind of thing. And now to the point, I'm just going to say no way, you know, even when that happens. But if Jesus came to me, if Jesus came to me and said, Tim, try this sushi, you're going to love it. I think I'd believe him. How about you? Take something you actually hate, a food you can't stand. If I offer it, anyone else offer it, you're not buying it. But Jesus comes to you and says, I made this just for you. You're going to love it. What would you say? I think I'd take the sushi right out of his hand and say, finally, someone I can trust. I think I would love it. I know it would be the first time I've ever enjoyed sushi. If the Lord offered me, if he said those words, taste this, you're going to love it, I know that I would because he'll, take, he'll turn it into Oreo into my mouth or something. I don't know how it'll work, but I like, I like it. Yet sometimes Jesus comes to us, and this is probably what confuses us at times. because He doesn't always come the way I just said. Sometimes Jesus comes to us, And this probably causes us some consternation or trying to figure out what's going on here, Lord. And he says something more along these lines. Eat this. It won't taste good or familiar at first. But you continue eating it, and I'm going to change your taste buds. That's often the way Jesus presents something to our palate that's not in our palate. When he says, taste and see the Lord is good, a lot of times we've been confused. Say, well, I've been tasting this, but our attitude's been wrong in the taste test, in the trust test, if you will. And the Lord says, change your mind. Go back to praising me. Go back to fearing me. Then take another bite. And let me re-explain. I'm going to change the way it tastes, but it might take a few weeks. might take a few months. might take a couple years. But trust me when I tell you, you're going to end up liking this. You see, brothers and sisters, to praise the Lord won't always be easy, but it'll always be the right response. Always. It'll always be the right response. In every scenario, to praise the Lord will always be the right response. To fear the Lord, it'll take intentionality. When our fears and other things distract us or attempt to derail us or attempt to deceive, we, we tend to take our eyes off the Lord, and we no longer have the fear of the Lord. We have the fear of everything else. We have to put them back on him. And to trust the Lord means that we take what he gives us, not what we... He says, Lord, I was hoping you'd give me something different to eat. Lord's like, but this is really going to help you. I'm not sure that it is. To trust, we say, all right, Lord, 
I've never liked sushi before. Metaphorically speaking, I'm going to end up liking this because you, that's what you're giving me. It's going to be for my best. Do you believe God has our best intentions at heart? Do you believe that he wants us to taste and see that he's good? So then we can trust him. We can trust him. Say, hey, this, this not, might not taste good at first, but he'll uh, give us an acquired taste. Um, the first time, it, it's not often that you get this older in life. You usually have to acquire taste when your parents kept pushing things on you didn't want to eat. Eventually you liked them, right? Uh, but, you know, we drink raw milk. I did not like the taste of it at first. Some of you that get it, you know, it was weird to me. But after a while, now I don't like the taste of the other. So it's just one of those things that uh, we can see this take place in our life. And we have to trust that God will either change the taste or he'll change our taste buds, spiritually speaking, as we go and we serve him by faith with a thankful heart, praising his name. Continue. That's what David, David came to learn this. David came to learn that everything tasted sweet to him from the Lord not because everything was sweet, but because God changed him on the inside. His soul learned to pray. His soul learned to see things differently. We don't look at the things the way the world does. The world would say, if I don't like it immediately, I get rid of it, but I buy something new or I do something new. God doesn't work that way. God says, no, you hang out right there until I change you. And the Lord says, taste and see. Now, once we do, well, the benefit is so great, we look back and we say, why would I have ever doubted in the Lord in the first place? But as we go through this coming year, the Lord wants us to take these things and say, look, God doesn't give, thankfully, huge lists to follow, but these are pretty simple. The Lord says, can you praise me every day? All right, I can try that. Can you choose to fear me when obey? And even if the word doesn't, well, I'm not sure anyone else is doing that. Well, God says, I still want you to do it. I'll do that, Lord. Well, finally, say, Lord, I can trust you. And sometimes the starting point is just simply saying it in our prayer life. Just simply saying, Lord, I trust you. I believe what you're saying. I believe this is true. I believe when you said all things work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. I believe that's true. By just saying it back to God, he starts to reward that in our life. He starts to say, all right, now that you're saying, because David said he prays with what? His what? Mouth. The fear of the Lord can't just only be in the heart. We have to pray it, praise it, say, Lord, if you've given me this to eat, you're going to use it for my benefit. I'm going to taste and see eventually. Uh, some of the trials that you may be going through right now will later change your whole taste buds that you'll be able to help people that you never could help before. That may not feel good for us in the process, but we can trust God through the process. Amen? That's what the Lord is trying to, I believe, in saying this 34th chapter that, hey, I did this for David. I'll do it for you too. And I hope that we'll see that. I hope that you are seeing it. But uh, as we come through the remainder of this year, and I believe that the study that we'll look at from the very words of Jesus and the feeding of the 5,000 Sunday will uh, add uh, some additional context to these things as God wants us to grow in his grace. Amen? Let's, play, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your promises. They're faithful. They're true. Lord, teach us to praise you. Lord, even when we don't feel like praising you, remind us to praise you. When we're forgetting to praise you, remind us. Lord, teach us to fear the Lord, to seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we know that in that place, you'll put an angel, an army of angels around us and camping about us. Lord, our strength and protection is not our bank accounts, our intellect, our physical 
abilities, any of those things, Lord, our strength and protection is the fear of the Lord. And Lord, lastly, help us to trust you. Lord, we may not understand the ways you work sometimes. Your thoughts are not always our thoughts. Neither are your ways our ways, Lord. But we can trust that you are faithful. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. Spiritual food, Lord, may it indeed be sweet to our taste. And may you change our taste that we develop the very palate of Jesus and the apostles. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.